0: Hey, I'm excited to continue our series in Acts this morning. Uh, I love this book of the Bible. I love them all. But I love this book of the Bible because it so directly applies to who we are to be today, who God has called us to be as followers of Jesus. It's a great example of uh, what ministry, what mission looks like on an individual basis and so today, we're going to be moving into a new chapter in Acts. Um, before that, I want to talk just a couple moments about uh, who, who I avoid building a relationship with, who I avoid building a relationship with. God has, has worked on me in this area for years, and and the example I'm going to give you uh, actually comes from my old neighborhood. So I want you to understand when I share this and when my neighbors who might be watching online hear this, they'll recognize I'm not talking about them, okay? This is, this is from my old neighborhood, but um, my old neighbors only wanted to talk to me when they were drunk, I had neighbors who lived across the street, neighbors who were next door, and the only time they wanted to have any kind of a conversation of depth or length was when they were drunk. And most often, I'm gonna admit to you, I was thinking to myself, I can't wait to be done with this conversation. And the reason I was that way, and I'm gonna admit it was super selfish, but also it was because of personal experience. You see, before I came to know Jesus, I used to drink a lot. And I can tell you that when I did, I did not remember conversations that I had with people. And so the first thing that would happen in my mind when my drunk neighbors would have this conversation with me is, they're not going to remember anything I'm talking about with them. And so I, I was selfish about that. And the Holy Spirit convicted me about that. There there was one of them in particular that whenever I burned my leaves in my backyard or if we were both out shoveling our sidewalks, that's when he would show up. And uh, super nice guy. And I'm not sure how much they remembered. Each time I talked to them about Jesus, each time I talked to them about, about what God had done in my life and what I feel like he could do for them, I don't know how much they remembered, but... The Holy Spirit convicted me that they need Jesus just like I do, that they're loved like Jesus, just like I am. And uh, I most likely, I won't know if any of my conversations that I had with them that took place while we were in these bodies on earth, I, I won't know if they remember them. Hopefully, I'll see them in heaven. Hopefully, we'll be there together. I say that so transparently because I feel like, if we're honest, we all know someone that we don't think of loving or sharing the kingdom of God with. We all have people in our life that we, again, have this frame of mind, "Ah, there's just really not hope for that conversation. If it takes place, I know that it's falling on deaf ears. Who are the people in your daily life? that you avoid, or maybe you're unwilling to share the love of Jesus with. Maybe it's a neighbor, it might be a co-worker, it could be a family member. But know this, sharing God's love has been his mandate since the beginning. When Jesus commanded his disciples and all of us to go into all the world, to complete the Great Commission, it wasn't the first time. And it's been Father's plan from the very beginning to restore his people to him. And I don't know about you, but whenever I hear that phrase, go into all the world, the first thing that comes into my mind yet today is I think of other nations, other continents, other places. But guys, all the world is our next-door neighbors. For some reason, we have this idea, all the world is off there somewhere far away when all the world is right next door. You see, it's been his mandate since the beginning of time. If we look uh, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, God said to Abraham, all people on earth will be blessed through you. So it started back at the beginning. He said to King David in 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 8, Give thanks to the Lord. Make known amongst the nations what he has done. The Holy Spirit inspired the king to say, Let the nations know what God's done. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, and this is... (laughs) I was just about to say my favorite verse, but you guys are going to find out I have so many favorite verses. But this is, this might be my favorite verse. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he says, He would that none would perish. He would that none would perish. God's desire, God's will, God's hope is that none would go to hell. That's his desire. That's the desire of his heart. As followers of Jesus, it should be the desire of our heart as well. We should be thinking that same way, that we would, that none would perish. See, throughout the Bible, people like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Jonah, think about Jonah. He did everything he could to not go share that message, right? God showed him, didn't he? And then the host of other prophets who remind us Father's plan is to reach everyone, especially the ones we think are unreachable. That's his plan. He would that none would perish. The Jewish people who knew God's word, however, they didn't seem to understand that everyone meant the Gentiles. I think sometimes we forget, again, that all nations includes all of our neighbors as well. And Peter struggled with this particular commission because Gentiles were considered an unclean people. Peter had been taught. You see, before Peter became a disciple, he failed at following a rabbi. Often we don't recognize that or remember it, but the disciples, the reason they were so eager to follow Jesus when Jesus said, come, is because they had been told by their rabbi, they grew up as little boys until they became teens following their rabbi, and then their rabbi would decide whether they were good enough. Peter was one of those who was told, Go home to your father. You're not going to make the grade. And Peter had learned as a young boy and as a young man that the Gentiles were unclean. And so he had this struggle when this took place in this passage. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it and look with me. You can go on your electronic device, it will be on the screen behind me. It's a long passage. And I'm going to uh, attempt to make it as lively as possible so as not to put you to sleep while I read it with my soothing voice. (laughs) So, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man who was everyone in his household as was everyone in his household. I'm so sorry. He gave generously to the poor, and he prayed regularly to God. Now, I just want to stop the bus for just a second here. It says he was an officer in the Roman army. This is a man who is not of Jewish descent. He's unclean, according to the Jews. And yet, it says he prayed regularly to God. Not only did he pray regularly to God, he had such good relationship with God, he would see visions. And God would describe what the visions meant to him. This is a guy with relationship who's not a Jew. Going on, it says, one afternoon at three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? he asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men from Joppa to summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. Again, one of the amazing things here is I feel like when we hear from God, when he gives us direction, he's very specific. He doesn't say, meander over to the other side of town and you might find a guy, right? He's very clear in his direction to us. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. And he told them what happened and he sent them off to Joppa. Here's what I find so cool about Cornelius. Cornelius has close relationship with God. He hears his voice. And when God tells him to do something, he does it. There was no hesitation there. He just does it. But now we've got Peter, who is a disciple of Jesus, who has been baptized. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Peter is a man of God. It says in verse 9, The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. See, Peter was a man who prayed too. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. When God said this to Peter, he said, No, Cornelius, the guy who is not of the chosen Jewish faith, says, yes, God, I'll do it. Peter, who is full of the Holy Spirit, his first response is, no. No, Lord, that's unclean. I can't do that. It's unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Guys, if we just had the eyes of Jesus, ask him to be able to see people the way he sees them. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Then the same vision was repeated three times, and then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. I love the mercy that God offers us again look at this guy the guy who is a man of God who is full of the spirit and he doesn't get it once he doesn't get it twice God has to tell him three times but God doesn't give up on Peter and I want you to know he doesn't give up on us it says Peter was very perplexed what could this vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Here's the thing that, that again, just kind of blows me away. Is, is Peter's perplexed? Why? Why is he perplexed? I understand the whole vision thing. Guys, sometimes we, we see and hear visions and we go, I'm, I don't know what that means. And the Holy Spirit will show us if we ask him to. But here it's so clear. I don't understand why Peter's perplexed. Because God said to him, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. God God didn't want Peter to be confused. He told him what the vision meant. So meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up. Go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and he said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. Again what blows me away is this is a man who is seen as a man who follows God and respected by the Jews and yet the Jews have never actually shared their faith with him it says they respected him but they didn't respect him enough to share Jesus with him hmm The holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them and accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. Know this, understand this. If you have loved ones that you are praying for, that they are not following Jesus at this moment, the Holy Spirit is pursuing them right now always till they take their last breath and Cornelius is being pursued by the Holy Spirit in this passage and then God uses Peter to speak life to him see God goes out of his way to give not only this vision to Cornelius but a vision to Peter he makes this happen this is no coincidence any of this And understand the people who are in our lives every day, they are not coincidental, you guys. God has placed them there. His desire is to use you to reach them. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. And the next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day, and Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know It is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection. That kind of cracks me up. (laughs) Ain't that the way we are? God told me to do it, so I did it after I argued with him three times, right? Peter, (laughs) so I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. But you know what? God uses us despite of us. Maybe I should have been in spite. I'm not sure. One of the two. But now tell me why you sent for me, says Peter. Cornelius replies, Four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. Again, (laughs) so clear, the direction from God. Word for word, the direction from God. Goes on to say he's staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once. The truth. Remember the story? Right away, he sent for him. He didn't have to be told three times. And it was good of you to come. Poor Peter, we pick on Peter so much. But you know, I think the reason God used Peter and made him the rock is because he is so much like us, isn't he? Now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. So, so not only has Cornelius done what the angel told him to do, sends for Peter, but he fills his house with people who need to hear this word. just to take a, a, a moment for a commercial break. We got room in here, guys. We got room to invite our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. God's plan is for every one of these seats to be full. I know that as Northern Europeans, we like to have three seats between us. God is not that interested in our comfort, you guys. He is interested in people coming to know him. And we're not filling these seats so that we can go, oh, yeah, we filled the seats. We're filling these seats because people need to know Jesus. They need to know Jesus. They need to experience the transformational power of his Holy Spirit. You guys, a few moments ago when we were worshiping in music, man, if you can't feel the Holy Spirit when that's going on, your feeler is broken And if you're a person who doesn't know Jesus, you come into that environment, and I know because I was one of those once, you come into that environment and you go, whoa, what is this? I've never experienced this before. I don't know what it is, but I want more of it. Back to our regularly programmed message. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. You see, I I believe this is part of why Jesus came. He came to show us how to live. He showed us how to love everyone without limits. I look forward to the day when we have 20% of the people who call the people church their home who still don't even know Jesus yet and are struggling and trying to figure it out. Guys, that will be when we have a healthy church. When 20% of our people are here and they don't even know Jesus yet that's his plan, you guys. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's awesome that we come together and worship like we do, but his plan is for us to bring people who don't know him so that they can know him too. In our former church, there was a young man who would come nearly every Sunday, and he would stand near the back of the sanctuary, as far to the back of the room as he could possibly get without getting out of the room. I'm not kidding you. I mean, if you think about our sanctuary, he would have been standing right next to the doorway, kind of with his arm around the doorway, ready to make a quick escape. And he would come every Sunday morning. And after service, I'd go and welcome him again, and I'd, I'd thank him for coming to worship with us. And every time he would say, you know... I really don't believe there's a God. And then he would say, but when I'm in this place, I feel something I've never felt before. And so it's why I come every Sunday, because there's something here that I can't feel anywhere else. You guys, we want to fill this building with those people who are looking for the something who is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father shows no favoritism and neither should we. To sum this up, I'm going to look in Galatians. You can turn there with me. Galatians chapter 3. And again, I think that verse will be up for you, but... Galatians chapter 3. And we see a summary from Paul. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile slave or free, male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. No Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, We are his, regardless of our past, regardless of our nationality, regardless of our sex, regardless of you fill in the blank, we belong to him. And we all have the same value, the same importance God uses all of us in the kingdom. So when we think about that neighbor, whoever it is, you know, I shared with you it was my neighbor, but maybe it's a coworker for you, maybe it's a family member, that person that you just, you're just thinking, I'm, I'm wasting my breath. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you the boldness and the confidence to waste your breath one more time. And then if they still are not interested, allow the Holy Spirit to give you the boldness and the confidence to waste your breath Again. And keep wasting your breath until they come to know Jesus. Because you're in their life for a reason, because He wants to use you to reach them. So, what does this mean to you? Who are the people that you exclude from the good news without thinking twice about it? Who are those people in your life? do you exclude people who are different than you economically or maybe socially? Maybe they run in a different crowd. And then I think about Peter, who was, was although he had relationship with Jesus, he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a man after God. He's still following a cultural mandate when he says, I can't go into that house because they're unclean. How much do we live by our own cultural mandates like Peter? We've drawn a figurative line somewhere, and we've said, I can't go there. Instead of opening our arms to everybody who's in our circle of influence... Which neighbor, coworker, family member, or acquaintance has God put on your heart today as we are just talking about this message? Who has he laid on your heart? I want to encourage you as your pastor to ask the Holy Spirit to show you three people that have relationship with you who don't know Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you those three people And then I encourage you to pray for those three people every single day. And then ask the Holy Spirit to give you boldness and confidence to share Jesus with them. Three people. That's not overwhelming. Although, when all three of them come to know Jesus, it might be overwhelming. (sighs) Yeah. Let's stand together. And again, I'm going to pray out loud and encourage you to repeat after me. Jesus, you reached out to everyone. You weren't turned off by their sinful lives. Holy Spirit, show me today who's knocking on my door, seeking something, someone... More in their life. life. Amen. Amen. Father, I ask that you would help us to make the People Church a safe place to find and follow Jesus. God, that we would each and every day be taking advantage of the opportunity that your Holy Spirit gives us to invite others into your kingdom. Lord, I thank you that there is no one that you would exclude. God, today, thank you for not excluding us. Thank you for inviting us into your kingdom. Lord, today, I ask that you would bless these who are in this place. Father, that you would keep them healthy, that you'd provide for their needs. God, if, uh, if there's a healing that needs to take place in their life, that a physical healing would take place even right now at this moment in their bodies. Bless them now as they go in Jesus' name. Amen.